Glad to be with you this morning. I'm glad you uh, chose to be here today. Um, we're going to talk about real faith today. We're going to talk about what James says about real faith. But have you noticed that when something's genuine, when something's authentic, when we want to sell more of something, we put the word real in front of it. Real coffee, it's good. Real bacon, I don't know what tofurkey bacon is. It's something of the devil, I believe. But real bacon, that's something, right? Remember when Coca-Cola was the real thing? I'm trying to date myself with that one. Used to be a TV show called Real People. Not sure how real those people were on Real People, but it was a TV show. Real men don't eat quiche. Real men don't cry. You know, real. Authentic. Genuine. So, I want to talk today about what James says about having real faith. And um, if you would, go ahead and go ahead and grab a Bible or grab a app or grab whatever you're going to use to look at the Word. And we're going to go to James 2, verses 14 through 26. This section, as you, as you turn there, this passage of Scripture is one of the most controversial, misunderstood passages in the Bible. I think a lot of alternative religions, a lot of cults, have actually latched on to this passage and try to use it to say that you have to do works to get to heaven. Right? So I want to look at it. We want to, I want to dissect this a little bit. But if you're there, let me go ahead and read this for us. So what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So, here's the thing. The whole New Testament talks about we're saved by grace through faith. Period. Do you agree with that? That's what the whole New Testament talks about. Paul goes around and that's really his message. By grace, through faith, saved. Period. Then this guy James shows up and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've got works in there too. we got deeds in there too. We've got not just faith, but faith and works. So who's right? Who's right? James or Paul? I don't think they're contradicting each other. I think we really, before I go too deep into what James says about real faith, I want to touch on the context with which these two men were in their ministry, with which these two men 
Um, we're fighting enemies, but they're different enemies, and they're, and they're really approaching different audiences. So I propose that Paul was fighting a problem of legalism. Paul was talking to Jews about, about um, Jewish law and regulations and about how to keep those and still be a Christian. Paul's really talking to that group, and he's really fighting that enemy of legalism. James is not fighting legalism at all. What he is fighting is the enemy of laxity. That idea that, that idea that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you believe. Because that was also very prevalent at the time as well. It doesn't matter what I do. As long as I believe, because that's what they were gleaning off of what they heard from Paul or what they've heard from other teachers. Not true. So they're fighting two different enemies. They're still using the word works, but they're using it in two different ways. And I propose that um, Paul uses the word works. He's talking about Jewish laws like circumcision. He's talking about things like that. When James is using the word works, he's talking about a lifestyle of a Christian. He's talking about acts of love. I think they're different things. I don't think they're contradicting each other. I put it this way. Paul focuses on the root of salvation. What's happening to me internally? What's happening inside of me? The root of salvation. James is is focusing on the fruit of salvation. What's that outward portrayal? How am I portraying my salvation outwardly? That makes sense? Nod. Do something. Blink. All right. All right. Close enough. All right. All right. So I, I really see those as two different things. Christ said it this way. By their fruits, you will know them. By their fruits, you will know them. Paul's talking about how to know you're a Christian. James is talking about how to show you're a Christian. I don't, that's make a great bumper sticker, but you know, whatever. All right. Um, I think it's summed up best in this way. And, and I think if we look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it's summed up this way. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith for a life of good works, which God has already prepared for us to do. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith for a life of good works, which God has already prepared us to do. So I went ahead and put some my emphasis on this. I'm not an English major, but there's three prepositions here. By grace through faith, for good works. I think the order of that matters. I think what it says matters, by grace, through faith, for good works. I think the order matters as well. If you believe you've been saved by works through faith, you're wrong, right? So I think the order there matters. The question is, okay, so... We can agree with this, but so how do we show, how do we show that we're a believer? What is real faith? James in this passage gives us five different ways to show, um, what real faith is and how to live as a believer. Um, James would put it this way. Real faith is not just something you say. Real faith is not just something you say. In verse 14, he literally says, what good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Now, it says that man claims to have faith. It doesn't say that he actually has faith. And I think it's really important to differentiate there. He's talking about a faith, but he's not showing a faith. I think James would put it, if he was here today, he'd say words are cheap. Talk's cheap. Proof's in the pudding. What are you doing? 
Show me. Right? So, he says, can such faith save him? Yeah. No. It can't. It's empty. It's hollow. George Gallup did a poll recently. In George Gallup's poll, he says that there's 50 million Americans that claim to be born again. The problem is, when they went on with the survey and asked more questions of those 50 million Americans who say they're born again, there were no indications within their life that showed any practice of faith whatsoever. Don't attend church. Don't tithe. Don't read the Bible. Don't pray. Don't serve others. Don't serve in missions. Have no aspect whatsoever. There's a problem with that. I think it's really easy in our media today, we label anybody who may have an utterance that sounds like something spiritual as a Christian. The media latches on that really quickly, and they will, they will give you that idea that just because somebody said something, they're, they're a believer. Just because you have a Christian bumper sticker doesn't mean you have a Christian faith. Just because you're a professor, professor of Christianity doesn't mean you're a possessor of Christianity. Can such faith save him? What value is this kind of faith? Nothing. I'm going to, I'm going to say a name here. I'm going to say it in church. I'm fully aware I'm saying the name in church. Larry Flint. Larry Flint was the publisher of Hustler Magazine. There was a time, for you under the age of like 40, Hustler Magazine was a graphic magazine. Okay. There was a time then Larry Flint came out and said he was born again. And then nothing about Larry Flint's life changed. Larry Flint continued to publish pornography for the rest of his life, the rest of his career. But yet he went out, he thought it was going to be a great, great PR thing to let everybody know that he was born again. But nothing changed. What's that worth? Nothing. Butt kiss. That's what that's worth. Real faith is not something you say, not just something you say. Real faith is also not just something you feel. It's more than emotions. A lot of people confuse emotions and sentiment with faith. You can be emotionally moved and never act on it. You can go to church. You can be here, man. You get a quiver in your liver and you get goosebumps and something really moved me in that song or in that talk or something really changed me and nothing happens. Nothing happens. You like that quiver in my liver? You like that? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I'll tell you what. I, I got a confusion today, so yeah. Actually, I heard... I heard a new one today I'll share with you later. I was like, or not today, I heard it this week, but it was like, wow, yeah. So, um, James gives an illustration of verse 15. Look at verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? Back in the day, I, I recollect a Peanuts cartoon comic strip for you under the age of 35. So a comic strip isn't an animated movie in what so in any way whatsoever. It's in print in a new thing we used to have newspapers. And so it was, they weren't even colored usually, except on Sundays they were colored. But anyway, so there was a there's a comic strip, Peanuts comic strip, and Charlie Brown and Linus were inside and they were looking out the window on a snowy day. And Snoopy was on top of his house and Snoopy was tired, cold, and hungry. And Linus says to Charlie Brown, we ought to do something about that. And Charlie Brown says, yep. And so they put on their coats and they put on their scarves and they put on their hats and their mittens and they go outside 
And Linus looks at Snoopy and says, Be thee well, Snoopy. And then they go back inside. Charles Schultz got the idea for that comic strip from this verse. If Keith goes out after church and slams his hand in the car door and it's stuck in the car door, and I walk by Keith and say, Brother, I'll be praying for you. I wish you well. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. If, if, if we're showing emotion, and we're showing feeling, and we're showing sympathy, but we're not acting on that, it's hollow. Real believer has real faith and it's practical. It gets involved with people. This is one, oh, by the way, this is one of the only times in Scripture, it may be the only time in Scripture that women are called sisters of faith. And James writes that here. When you become a part of God's family, you have some family responsibilities. A real believer will care about other believers. First John 3.17 says this, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Real faith is generous. It wants to give. Who can count on you in crisis? Are you on somebody's Fab Five? If they're going through a crisis, middle of the night, they need to call somebody, will they call you? Why or why not? Because they know that I'm going to I'm going to pick that do not do not answer button on my phone versus picking it up and saying what's going on. Why are you calling me at three o'clock in the morning? Not just talking about it, not just feeling for people, doing something, doing something. First John three fourteen says that one of the proofs of salvation is that we love other Christians. Real faith wants to be around other believers. You love them. It's known we are Christians by our love. We've heard that, right? We've preached that. We teach that here. I think we're a lot better verbalizing our faith than practicing it. I really believe that. And I I know that sounds critical, but I'm being self-critical as well here in this. I can't meet everybody's need, but I can meet somebody's. We get paralyzed by that. Let's be honest. Christ didn't meet every need that came along during his ministry. He didn't meet every need that came along during his ministry, but he definitely met some. He definitely met some. And we're called to do at least the same. At least the same. I'd propose this. If I don't feel like helping other people, if I don't feel like helping other Christians, if I don't feel like helping other non-believers, I don't have a sick faith. I have a dead faith. I have a dead faith. They'll know we're Christians by our love. So real faith is more than something you say. It's more than something you feel. Real, say, real faith is, is, is not just something you think. For some people, faith's intellectual. They want, it, they want it to be a matter to be studied and debated. And, and I remember in my walk, I got caught up in debating with, with people of other belief systems. And it's not a fun way to spend your free time, let me just say that. But it, you get caught in that sometimes. So... Um, in verse 18, James is kind of proposing this intellectual objector. When he, when he, in verse 18, he says this, Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. He's imagining a guy that's saying, you're into faith, I'm into works, that's cool. You know, you've got your thing, I've got mine. You know, to each his own. That's kind of what he's laying out there. He's also kind of saying, stimulate me mentally, but don't ask me to make any type of commitment. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith with what I do. 
In my Bible, as I studied for this talk, I, sure, I circled show me. Because I think that's the important part of this. Show me. What are you showing is your faith? What are you showing? Real faith is visible. I propose that real faith is visible. You can see it. It's apparent. If you claim to be a Christian, people will be able to see it. It's visible. Now, here's one of those things I heard this week I've never heard before. Does anybody know what Lady Clairol is? Lady Clairol. It's hair coloring, right? I'm told it's hair coloring. Obviously, this is natural. So, I heard somebody use the term this week, Lady Clairol Christians. Because those are Christians we're just not sure about. I don't know if you're a Christian. You say you're a Christian. You don't act like a Christian. Dye my hair. don't know what color it actually is. So Lady Clairol Christian is someone we're just not sure about. Well, God's sure. God knows. If we have that relationship, that vertical relationship with God, He knows. Faith is odorless. It's weightless. It's invisible. So anybody can claim to have it. Anybody can claim to have it. How do you know for sure? James says, show me. Proof's in the pudding. Show me. Christian, great. How? Tell me. Prove it. Prove it. I heard somebody say faith is like calories. Can't see them, but you see the results. Worked in healthcare for 25 years, and we used to, you'd come in for physical therapy, and we'd do an assessment, and we'd talk about lifestyle stuff, and I always loved it because you'd say, well, Health important to you? Oh, yeah. You get enough sleep? Oh, yeah. Bags under their eyes. Have a good diet? Yep. Work out? Yes. Huh. Me too. Go to the gym every day. I go to the gym every day. I drive by it every day on my way to the coffee shop. Every day. Important to you? Yes. Health is really important to me. Proofs in the pudding. Proofs in the results, right? Real faith is more than just something you think. You can point it out and see it in people's lives. Kids used to sing a chorus. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. Right? Remember that? That's what James is saying. Show me. Show me. You claim to have real faith. You can prove it. You can prove you have real faith. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says... Anytime a person becomes a Christian, he becomes a new person inside. The old things have passed away. All things become new. Not overnight, but they're starting to become new. If you grab onto a 220-volt wire, what happens? Something happens, right? You might smell meat on the grill, but something happens. Something changes. There's an impact that occurs. There's an impact that happens there is a physical change. I can almost guarantee you there's a physical change that happens to your body. If someone as big and as great as God is infused in your life, how can there not be change? How can we not see a product of that? How can we not see a metamorphosis from that? Jimmy Carter, in his book, Why Not the Best, talks about this life-changing moment that he had in his life. And it was a turning point in his life when someone asked him a question. And the question they asked him, I think it's a good question, I think it's a great question. The question they asked him is, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Whoa. Well, I say absolutely. 
My life, absolutely. Well, just don't follow me in the car when I'm behind a slow driver. But other than that, plenty of stuff. Well, don't pay attention to my prayer life completely and don't necessarily be part of my devotional time or don't be part of that time when I'm out with my motorcycle friends. But besides that, there should be plenty of evidence to help convict me of being a Christian. What about you? Will there be enough evidence to convict you if you're arrested for being a Christian? Pretty good question. Pretty good question. That's what James is talking about. If you say, I know it, how are you showing it? How are you showing it? Real faith always produces change. Real faith is not just something you say. It's not just something you feel. It's not just something you think. Real faith is not just something you believe. You believe, James says, you believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. I think there's a lot of people who have strong faith in God and the Bible and in religion. And hear me out on this and pay attention, lean in on this one, because belief is important and faith is important. They are not equal things. They are not equal things. I believe in a lot of things. I believe in Satan. I'm not a Satan worshiper. I don't have faith in Satan. I believe in Hitler, but I'm not a Nazi. I'm a Christian because I have faith in Jesus Christ. In my walk, I saw hypocrisy in my teens. I saw people that, that talked about what they believed, and they were really living out of faith. They were, let me back out of that. They weren't living out of faith at all. They were living out their belief system, which is more do what I say and not what I do. It was really that. And so I struggle with the idea that you talk about this strong belief, but when we practice faith over here, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And so, I'm a believer that we inherit the faith of our parents. We inherit the belief of our parents at some point. And so for me, it sent me on this eight-year journey. It's kind of the prodigal son story where I had to know. I had to know, what is it I believe? What is it I believe? And what do I truly have faith in? Where does my faith rest? And it was, it was, it, it was painful. I, I looked at a lot of different things. I, I tested a lot of different waters during those eight years. And... It's important to understand that, you know, that, I'm trying to think of how to put this. So, so James is talking about the devil and demons. It's important to understand that the devil is a great theologian. It's important to understand that. He uses the word, he uses truth and deceives us through the use. He tried to see Christ using scripture. He's been around longer than I have been. He's been around longer than you have been. I don't care how old you are. But he's, and he's a great theologian. I think it's foolish to be an atheist. And the devil's not an atheist. He believes in God. He understands the awesomeness and the, and the majesty of God. And he shudders. He shudders at that. The Greek says the demons actually bristle. The, 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 the meaning of that means they bristle up. Their hair stands on end at the thought of God. Because they understand. They understand the majesty of God. Real faith is not just saying, I believe. I think there's a lot of easy believism in America. I think we, I think as you pass by people, um, you ask them what they believe, they'll tell you what they believe, but you're not seeing a lot lived out. Orange County, California, in one of the newspapers recently, they actually had an article, and the title of the article was, Many in Orange County Believe But Don't Practice. 
And I'm kind of shocked that Orange County, California published an article about faith and about religion, but they did. The sad part is they're brutally honest about it. And the people that they talked to, I think, were probably brutally honest as well. So they asked questions, kind of like Barna did. You know, what's your, what's your degree of faith? And people said, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. And they went down this, they went down the survey with people during the interview and said, well, do you attend church on a weekly basis? Nope. Do you pray? Nope. Do you tithe? Nope. Do you serve? Nope. Do you align with any body of believers in our area? Not really. James would say that's phony. That's a phony belief. James would say, you're conning yourself or you're trying to con others. Right? So if real faith isn't something you say or you think or you feel or you believe, what is real faith? What is it? I propose that real faith is something you do. You know, as, as we look at the Scripture, you know, James gives us a couple illustrations of what real faith is, and he's showing us that faith is active. He's showing that it's not passive. He's showing that there's a commitment. And he's using two illustrations of two very different people. I would say they're biblical polar opposites. Abraham and Rahab. Abraham's a man, Rahab's a woman. Abraham's Jewish, Rahab's a Gentile. Abraham's a patriarch, Rahab's a prostitute. Abraham's a somebody in society. Rahab's a nobody in society. Abraham's a major character in the Bible. Rahab's a minor character in the Bible. He uses these illustrations to say this, I believe. It doesn't matter who you are as long as you have that important thing. That important thing. The one important thing they had in common was a strong faith in God, a real faith in God. And their faith in God led them to action. Verse 20, look at verse 20 with me. You foolish men, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? His faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. Scripture was fulfilled when he said, Abraham believed God. How do we know it? We saw it. He behaved in a way that his belief came out visibly to us. We saw it. Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. Now we all know that story. Most of us know that story. It's the ultimate test where God asked Abraham to give up his, own, his, his only son. But let's be really clear. That act of obedience by Abraham had nothing to do with salvation. Had nothing to do with salvation. Abraham was already a believer. He already had a faith. 25 years before this story happened, God said to Abraham, you're righteous. God knew Abraham. He's not talking about being saved by his works here. He's saying that this shows how much Abraham believed. It shows him living out his belief through works. Abraham obeyed God. It was immediate. He followed him. He took his son up. He did all those faith steps. He cut the wood. He built the altar. He was ready to sacrifice his own son. Now, something to note. On their way up the mountain, Abraham said to his son, while they're traveling, we, not I, we will return. In Abraham's heart, he knew that God was going to provide. Either God was going to 
raised Isaac. from. He didn't know how God was going to work, but he trusted God. He had real faith in God that God would provide for them. And the fact of the matter is, God did raise Isaac from the dead figuratively. He took him off that altar. James also talks about Rahab, the stories of Joshua 2 in the Old Testament. It's the story of when a prostitute helps a couple spies that are entering into Jericho, and she hides them away. She risks her life for them. And she's rewarded. She ends up in the family line of Jesus, a prostitute who's a Gentile woman named in the Bible. She acted on faith. She did it immediately. She lived it out. It was risky, and she did it. I propose this today. Our faith is not determined by what we do. It is demonstrated by what we do. Our faith is not determined by what we do. It's demonstrated by what we do. Is that a fair statement? About 35 years ago, um, there was a guy named George Blondin. And George, uh, he, was a, he was a stunt man. He was actually a high wire walker. He strung a wire across Niagara Falls about 35 years ago, and people lined up to see George Blondin cross Niagara Falls. And he did. Thousands of people were there. George crossed Niagara Falls, and people cheered. And George got to the other side, and he said, I want to do it again. And he went back. George did this three or four times, crossed Niagara Falls on a high wire, no harness, no net. And every time, people went nuts. They went crazy. About the fourth time, George filled up a wheelbarrow full of dirt, and he pushed that wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls on the wire. Not once, nine times. Got back across on his tenth time with a wheelbarrow full of dirt, and a guy standing there on the sideline says, man, I believe you could do this all day. And George Blondin poured out the dirt and said, great, get in. Isn't that really what God's asking of us? Say you have faith. Get in. Let's go for a ride. Let's see what happens. Let's see. Let's see. Right? That's really what God's really asking of us. Talk is cheap. Put your money where your mouth is. I believe in Jesus. Prove it. Prove it. Our faith is demonstrated by our actions. Actions speak louder than words. Our behavior shows what we really believe. Let me say this. I know that the I know that the high school football team is leaving tonight for football camp. And I haven't talked to Coach Love at all, but I can guarantee you talking about being successful as a team is important. And thinking you're going to be successful as a team is important. And feeling that you're going to be successful as a team is important. And believing that you're going to be successful as a team is important. We've reached a point in time in the year where doing is where you prove that all those things matter. And so I don't want to put words in coach's mouth, but I can almost guarantee you the time to do start pretty soon. So so it's a process, right? It's a process that we need to undertake. Our faith is demonstrated in our actions. My perspective is this, and I hope you don't hear anything critical here. What I want you to hear is a call to action. Um, we all have room to improve. We all have room to grow. If you don't like where you're at, if you don't like what your faith shows or portrays, change. Change. Second Corinthians 13.5 says this, Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. Test yourself. 
I'd like to say I don't care. It's between you and God. I do care. I do care. I want you to be on the right path. I want me to be on the right path. I want us all to be on the right path. But this is between you and God. Only He knows your heart truly. I'm going to ask the the worship team to come back up. But consider that. Consider what you're showing through your faith. Consider what you're living out. If you don't know Christ, that's that's the first thing. Let's have a relationship. Let's start there. That's the most important thing. If you've gotten off track, if you've gotten distracted, if you've gotten hurt, if you've checked out, if you've gotten lazy, if you forget to pray or be in the Word one day, get back into it. It's not too late to, it's not too late to start until it's too late to start. Change, it needs to be purposeful. It needs to be a priority. It needs to be a value. And for me, I would say that it's the most important thing. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. If we're not living out a real faith, if we're not living out an active faith, it's not fulfilling. It's kind of shallow. It's kind of hollow. And so my prayer is that as God presses these thoughts on your heart, that you would be driven to change. You'd be driven to improve. You'd be driven to the model that Christ laid before us. And that you would have a sense that God is real and so is your faith in God. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father God, I just, uh, Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for the opportunity to come and share your words, Lord. And Lord, I just ask that you spark us to change, Lord, that you ignite in us a need to pursue after the model that Christ has laid before us, Lord. I just, uh, I just ask that you remove any critical thought that might be resting on someone's heart around their mind today, Lord, that they hear your desire to be closer to them. They understand there's a need to be close to you and have an intimate relationship with you, Lord. But in that, there's also a need to be purposeful in our continued faith journey. There's no season that we find ourselves to be complete, that we're all in process, Lord, and that we're all desiring ultimately to be with you for eternity, Lord. We just, uh, again, Lord, I just thank you. I praise your glorious name, Lord, and I love you so much, my Heavenly Father. I give all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.